0: and inspire compassion toward those hurting. Mm -hmm. Lastly, by providing my heart with ears and this platform, grievers have the opportunity to share their wisdom and stories of loss and resiliency. How about we talk about grief like we talk about the weather? Let's get started. Thank you for tuning in to Grieving Voices. Today, my guest is Crystal Partney, and she will be sharing the loss of her sister. And thank you so much for being here, Crystal.
1: Thanks for having me. I'm so, it's an honor. Thank you.
0: Yeah. So tell us a little bit about yourself before we dive deep. Sure.
1: So um, I am the founder and CEO of two companies, the first one being Scattering Hope and the second one being Owl and Thistle. So owl as in the bird, whoo, hoo <laughs> And Alan Thistle focuses on prevention of suicide and Scattering Hope helps families heal after losing a loved one to suicide.
0: Awesome. And so I guess we can assume that you lost your sister to suicide, correct? And correct. That's kind of what led to your, the work that you do now? Yes. Let's start there. Tell us about your sister, Gina.
1: So in 2019, the day before my 32nd birthday, my mother called me and I could tell she was upset. I didn't know what was going on, but you could just hear it in her voice. And she, I immediately said, What's wrong? And then she proceeded to tell me that my sister Gina had taken her life that morning. And as a family, we were completely devastated at this loss and at this tragedy of of losing my sister. And the, as you can imagine, the birthday that I would have the next day was not the most joyful birthday. And it was something that I had to really adjust and adapt to as time would go on. But I also realized in that moment that things would never be the same and that my heart was really was grieving and at this loss and unfortunately there was just a lot of things happening in my life at the time I was literally getting ready to graduate for my bachelor's degree to receive my bachelor's degree within a month after My sister had taken her life, and so I was just right in the thick of things, and I told myself over and over again, Crystal, just graduate. It doesn't matter about the grades, just graduate, and so I did, thankfully, and I told myself after graduation that I would give myself a year to really sort of process what has just happened, and also because I was so busy with, with just focusing on graduating and the busyness of my senior year and finishing up. I I also wanted to just take a, a breath because up until that point, I, I felt like it had all been kind of a blur and I wasn't able to fully process my emotions as they were coming. And so after graduating, I just told myself, okay, like I was very fortunate. I didn't have to rush out and try to find a a job in my field that I had just graduated in. Um, I had a a very steady job and, and so that was a blessing. And I, I took that year off and I said, okay, I'm just going to begin the healing process, whatever that looks like. And yeah, that's just a little bit my heart behind why I've started and why I started the healing process and a little bit about that day.
0: So was Owl and Thistle the first just that you started?
1: No, actually, ironically enough, it was Scattering Hope and it didn't really set in until, golly, I would say, at least a year's time, almost a year's time had gone by since my sister's passing and we were coming up on the, the one year anniversary of her, of her death. And I kept, you know, having throughout that year's time span, I kept having this prompting on my heart. And that was to help other families that are going through a similar journey. And I kind of was like, okay, this is this is a little bit strange. Like, what am I doing? I just barely graduated in, in healthcare administration. And I'm so proud that I graduated and I, and I finally, you know, have, I had this accomplishment that I had worked so hard for so long. And so it really kind of took me off guard a little bit that, that this prompting kind of wouldn't go away. <laughs> it just kept coming back and, And I have no doubt it was my sister saying, Crystal, I want you to help other families that are going through a similar situation. And thus, I started my company, Scattering Hope. So to answer your question yes scattering hope was actually first and then as i was mapping that out and deciding like okay this is how i want to to do this then i also got another prompting no doubt it was from my sister saying i want you to also focus on prevention because it's one thing to to help families that are healed, you know after such a tragedy as this but it's an entirely different approach in an entirely different feeling if you are also going to focus on prevention. And we do that with Al and thistle in such a loving way. That's not a shameful way, that's not guilt ridden because very oftentimes people are struggling behind closed doors and they're not vocal about it. At least I should say majority of the people that are, are suffering behind closed doors, they're not vocal and wanting to in their life. And they're not vocal in, in just saying and sharing their vulnerability about the simple truth that they're struggling and they don't know where to turn to. They feel very alone. And so that's, that's my approach with Alan Thistle is we do that in such a loving way, in such a graceful way. That's not shameful. That's not guilt-ridden and, it's just, ultimately, it's a way for you to be able to tell the people in your life how much that you love them and how much they matter and how much you appreciate them.
0: So what does, what does that look like in your business then? Like if I come to the website and I know someone's struggling or I personally am struggling, what does that look like? What does that service look like?
1: Yeah, so we offer several different options. We offer a subscription box that that someone can receive for every quarter or every month, depending on... How often you would want the box. And then also, we offer a subscription, or excuse me, we offer a membership site as well, where we have monthly discussions and we have guest speakers and we just have the conversation. I think that became very, very transparent and very apparent that I needed to begin the conversation around such a sensitive topic as suicide and let people know that they're not alone. Because as I began that process, I very quickly discovered that I wasn't alone when I when I lost my sister to suicide. But I also got people reaching out to me and being vulnerable and saying, hey, I'm so glad that you're doing what you're doing, that you're focusing on prevention. And you know, I've never told anybody this, but I actually have attempted suicide when I was younger or just having the courage to share their story with me and being vulnerable and saying, Hey, you know what? I was struggling and this is so needed right now. And, and that's the, the path that both companies follow. So both companies follow subscription box model as well as a a membership
0: site. That sounds wonderful. And we'll link a link to where they can find that in the show notes. Going back to your sister's story and that loss for you, what were some, I mean, were there not warning signs? Did you feel like, did you have a sense that she was struggling, but you didn't know how to, what was the experience before you? I'm sure, obviously it was a shock when you found out, but, you know, and then you kind of reflect and you look back. What were the things that stuck out to you as you reflected back? On the relationship leading up to that decision she made?
1: Yeah, well, it's such a beautiful question, and there were absolutely warning signs. And in fact, on the website, Alan Thistle, there is a download that you can get that shares the warning signs to to look out for if someone is struggling. And I just wanted to mention that right now, but there were absolutely warning signs. My sister, was kind of the opposite. You know how most people are struggling behind closed doors. They don't want anybody to know that they are struggling and and contemplating suicide. But my sister was the opposite. She was very vocal and saying she would have a bad day and then she would be very vocal and saying, well, I'm just going to end my life. And my family was very proactive in getting her help in seeking out a trained professional in in this manner, and unfortunately, my sister didn't open up. She didn't allude to the difficulties that she was facing and the struggles that she was having to this professional. And we we of course as a family were very like aware of her struggles. And, and that's why we were so adamant on her seeking out a professional and, and it got to the point where, you know, she was on medication, but when, after she passed, we very quickly realized that she stopped taking the medication that was prescribed for her. And she was also very vocal towards the end about not wanting to, you know, pay for for services not wanting to pay for counseling sessions because let's be honest it's not covered by most insurances because it would be considered an elective and and she just simply said flat out I don't want to go because I don't want to pay and I think towards the end it's there were definitely warning signs and we had thought she had turned a corner towards the end of her life that we were hopeful that, okay, this, whatever medication she has been on is working and she is, you know, she stopped seeing the the counselor, but she's taking the medication. So everything must be going good. And we had really believed as a family that she was turning a corner and, and she was starting to see hope again. But unfortunately, as we discovered that she stopped taking her medication and she stopped going to counseling and and then as I said, she was alluding to the fact that she just didn't want to go and she didn't want to pay for the services anymore. She didn't think they were helping that it was helping.
0: And I think it's so hard for someone who is in that headspace to really consider the impact of their choices. Because it's really difficult when you're, and I, I mean, I've had bouts of depression, um, but, you know, to be, have a, a clinical depression or be diagnosed with depression where you need to be, you know, consistently on medication, um, I imagine that it would be very difficult to see the effect that you have on others um, and how your choices and decisions Impact the family, so I'm glad that you kind of address both aspects and both sides of that. So, when it comes to your loss experience, and at the time, I know you said that you were going through college or about to graduate, but you also have a family, correct? I do. Yeah. Yeah. So, you had a lot of balls in the air—not just school, but husband and and kids. Correct.
1: Yes. Yes, I have a Um, daughter. Yep. She was three at the time and um, it was hard. It was hard for me to, to be honest, I didn't want to tell her. I didn't want to tell her that her aunt Gina had passed away. And that was a extremely difficult conversation, but I'll, I'll share it with you if you don't mind. Yeah, please. The, as I mentioned earlier, my sister passed away the day before my birthday and my daughter, who was three at the time, she had just turned three in January. So her birthday is actually coming up. And she noticed that I was I was crying like a lot, And she didn't understand why, because I kept wrestling with the idea. Do I tell her if I tell her what details do I tell her? Do I be transparent or and, and also do I be transparent? But how do you tell a three year old? about how do you talk to your three-year-old about suicide? How do you how do you talk to them about something so tragic as this in a way that she would understand, but also just understanding that she is three and she's not going to understand as much as, say, like one of my nieces or nephews who are older, they're teenagers, and so there is a delicate balance there, but I was, you know, in the bathroom and my little girl came up to me and she just said, mommy, why are you crying? And I said, well, and and I decided I was like, okay, I have to tell her. I can't like, I can't just not tell her. So I did. I said, well, honey, I'm sad. And she goes, why, why are you so sad? And I said, well, I'm sad because your aunt Gina has, has died. Your aunt Gina has passed away. And she looked at me and she said, mommy, why? And I was completely transparent and said, you know what, honey, I don't know. I don't know why she passed away, but I do know that she was really sad and and she got kind of quiet and then, you know, she started to smile and I was like, what? why are you smiling? I don't understand. Why are you smiling? I just told you that your aunt has passed away. Your aunt has died. What? Why are you smiling? And I asked her, I said, honey, why are you smiling? And she goes, mommy, does that mean that she's with grandpa Lanny, and grandpa Lanny is my dad? And I said, yeah she's with Grandpa Lanny and she goes, okay. And she runs out of the bathroom. (laughs) It was that quick and that sudden. And I remember that moment so vividly in my mind and I always will, but it took a moment that was so difficult for me and turned it on its head and made it realize that it was going to be okay That if I could just take the approach as my three-year-old did and know that she's in good hands, she's in good company. And even though I'm sad, even though I miss her, not a day goes by where I don't miss my sister, it's going to be okay that she's safe. The sadness that she felt in this life is gone and she's happy and she's, she's just, she's in good company. And so that just, it warmed my heart and it really, it took me off guard because, you know, like I said, she was just like, okay, and then rushes out. And so it just, it really did warm my heart and it made me kind of take a step back and say, okay, it'll be okay.
0: What a beautiful story. Thank you for sharing that. Thank you for sharing about your sister. I just want to say that, Children are like, especially three, just honest, yeah. honest about their feelings. And I commend you as her mother being honest with, about yours because I think that is the first lesson that children learn about grief is how to the level of honesty that we have about our feelings. And so she really reflected that back to you, but gave you insight like you said of a three-year-old the innocence the maybe that was a message for you too right i mean there was a gift in that message that she shared with you um i had goosebumps when you said that she said that so what a beautiful little girl wow yeah thank you so what has your grief taught you
1: It has taught me so many things. And just as I just shared that it's going to be okay. And even though you're sad and you, you miss them, like not a day goes by where you don't miss them. Like your heart yearns for them, but I'll, I'll share another example. This was, so in 2013, I lost my nephew. He was 39 weeks gestation and my brother and his wife they were 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 struggling to have another baby and they were able to get pregnant and so she you know was was struggling with with multiple miscarriages all throughout you know her time getting pregnant and there was no there was no warning signs with with Will it just happened and so that happened in in January and of 2013. And then my dad passed away unexpectedly in April of that year. And then I also lost my best friend in December of that year. So I, I kind of a joke and in, in all seriousness, I've nicknamed that the year of hell for me, because it was just back to back to back. And all of those were completely unexpected in my life. And These relationships were extremely important to me, especially my dad and my best friend. And I didn't get a chance to meet Will, but I know that he is an amazing person. And and after having experienced that, I was at, I believe it was the Christmas or around Christmas time because I had lost my best friend before Christmas of that year. And I remember just feeling so bogged down and just like, I was angry. I was so mad. And I remember just, you know, screaming out and just kind of yelling and saying, you should be here right now. Like, you should be here right now. Why aren't you here? And I immediately got this soft whisper. And I have no doubt that it was my dad and probably my best friend. But they said, Crystal, we're here, we're here. We are just not in the form that you want us to be in. And I said, you're right, you're right. You're just not in the form that I want you to be in. I want you to be here physically and you're not. But, and again, I got this just gentle, like warmth on my heart that said, we're here. We're not missing anything. We're just not in the form that you want us to be in. You can't see us, but we're here. We're not going anywhere. So I just wanted to share that with your listeners that if you find yourself in this really sort of dark place, in this sort of like we just had the holidays and a lot of times the holidays are the most difficult part of the year because you're surrounded by family. And obviously this year, this past year looked vastly different than any other holiday, but, but maybe this was the first time without your loved one. Maybe this was the first holiday that you experienced without them. And I just want to encourage you and, and let you know that they are there they're just not in the form that you want them to be in. But don't mistake for one second that they are not with you, that they are not experiencing life with you. I always joke with my sister. I said, We used to call her Jean, and I said, Jean, you're more than welcome to hang out with me, but I'm kind of boring. And, you know, but you're more than welcome to, you know, just kind of hang out and, you know, observe. <laughs> But I do have to give that caveat that I'm not the most exciting person, <laughs> but that's okay. That's, you know, that's one of the reasons and one of the things that she loves about me. So
0: thank you for sharing. That. And I think it is a good reminder. I think because when we lose loved ones, we often forget that we can talk to them. And still talk to them, and I think people struggle with that belief too. I I feel, um, depending on the circumstances of their faith life, and before death knocks on their door or after, um, I think that shapes also too how we feel about that about talking to those we love that have departed. Um, yeah. And I actually just had a conversation with a 21 year old that had very similar losses as myself and close in the same ages. And I just shared with her that, you know, there's faith, which she's very strong in, but then there's spirituality, which I feel is maybe goes deeper and is more of a, a connection as, you know, it's a belief or a feeling. It's more like a feeling and it's a connection that you feel like, you know, there. Um, and I think that really determines um, if you'll feel open to talking. But I think that helps. I mean, even if you don't believe that, even just voicing what your what's on your heart, think of it like a prayer out loud, or think of it like just sharing your heart with the air. You know, you don't even have to share it, especially if you don't have a safe person to talk to. Because grievers unknowingly um, and unintentionally, um, and I say we're all grievers because we all grieve something. Mm-hmm. We've all grieved something. So when I say grievers, it's even if you don't identify yourself as a griever, you're still a griever, in my book. It's my belief. Um, But we say hurtful, we say hurtful and harmful things unintentionally, especially if we haven't, you know, if we haven't processed our own stuff. Yeah. Um, You know, so were there any things that people said to you, too, during that time that were well-meaning, but didn't really come off that way, like your heart received it differently?
1: Yeah. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) I'm not exempt. I'm not exempt, and you know, I think having experienced a tragedy like this, specifically to suicide, I really believe that people just don't know what to say, and so oftentimes, like you said, their heart is is in a good place, but they often, you know, kind of speak out of turn or or say something that they they normally probably wouldn't say because they are trying to be helpful they're trying to show how much they love you and and absolutely i had several times like going back in my mind of of conversations that i was like why in the heck did you say that but but ultimately what i had to the conclusion that i had to come to for myself was crystal they're just trying to help you they're just trying to help you and they just don't know how. And so tell them, tell them how, and it could be something as simple as I need you to, I had a friend. um, She was very close to my sister, actually, ironically enough. And she, she, you know, she let me know. She's like, Crystal, what can I do for you? And my initial reaction was, Nope, can't do anything. I'm just going to, you know, I'm going to wonder woman. I mean, I'm like, no, I'm good. And then it, you know, again, because I'm in tune with, with my spirituality, because it's such a driving force in my life. I felt this, this warmth come over me, this prompting saying, Crystal, no, don't, not this time. Tell her what you need. And so I did. I said, you know what? It would be really great. um, if I didn't have to make breakfast, if I not have to make breakfast for the next three days and I could just grab something like yogurt or fruit or both, whatever it is. And I didn't have to make breakfast for my, for my little girl, then that would be amazing. And so she's like, okay, done, consider it done. And so she did, she went out she got this huge, like, um, like gift basket, essentially of like fruit and like chocolate milk and yogurt and just like piles it all in there. And she dropped it off at my house and she just said here. And I just said, thank you so much. Like, this is exactly what I needed. And, and yeah, there's, there's just being, you know, vocal and just sharing. And I know oftentimes I can speak from my own experience that, that you just want to hold it all in, and it's, it's always going to come out sideways when you finally let it out. It just will. And but I would give the advice that has, if anybody's lost anybody that they love, whether it's suicide or other health complications, whatever it is, to just allow yourself grace. And allow grace for others as well, that they're just trying to help and they just want to, to do what they think is right at the time and, and just give yourself grace. I mean, give them grace too, because they're going to say stuff that, you know, like, why in the heck did you say that? Like I'd have all of our fabulous vocabulary. You chose that really, but just taking a step back and saying, you know what, they're just trying to help.
0: That's the motivation behind my podcast. Why I started it is for the education piece, but also obviously for people to share their stories. Um, But I think through story we learn. And um, so that's really the whole, and to bring hope to people. Um, I want to go back a little bit to the loss of your father because I'm curious how you believe that that impacted your sister. And is that when that happened, is that when you noticed a change in your sister, was she younger than you? Was she older than you?
1: So she's my, she's my oldest like girl in the family. So she's the oldest girl in the family. And so I'm the, I'm the youngest of eight. So I come from a family. And that was it. It's very similar to my sister, but When we lost our dad, it was kind of, it was complete shock. Like it was very sudden, but quite honestly, for anybody that knew my dad, my dad would not have wanted it any other way. Like his nightmare was to be like stuck someplace having, like he said, like every day, if not very often his nightmare for him would be for his children to take care of him, to have to take care of him and why he had kind of this, this impression that we didn't want to take care of him when he got older. I don't know, but I think that has to stem with his experience with taking care of his own, taking care of his own father. And so he just wanted so badly to not have that experience for us. And so it was really this this kind of, you know, this gift of love. But, but like I said, it, knowing my dad, he wouldn't have wanted to, you know, prolong bad health or anything like that. So it really was a blessing in disguise for him that he passed away as suddenly as he did. Um, but absolutely, it had a tremendous effect on on my family as a whole and especially my sister Gina. She towards the the end of her life, she and looking back I was like, oh, okay, now I can see that because she was vocal and saying, I wish you knew my dad. And for those of you that didn't know my dad, he was an amazing person. And you know, these are some of the characteristics, these are some of his his quirks. <laughs> that I just miss about him. And so looking back, it was, and that was, Kali, that was, um, I want to say at least three, maybe a little bit longer time span before her, before her passing when she, when she expressed those feelings of missing my dad or missing our dad. And so, yeah, it just, it absolutely had a tremendous effect on us as a family and it still does. There's still, you know, moments where I wake up and I'm like, I'm going to call dad and I can, it's just in a different way in a different form. And, and like I had already shared, he's here, he's experiencing life with me, just not in the way that I want him to be. So I just want to emphasize that point because I know that some of your listeners may feel lost. That some of your, your listeners may feel like, oh gosh, I just feel so alone and to just remember that they're here.
0: So throughout your grief experience, what has given you the most joy and hope?
1: Oh, golly. Um, Looking at my looking at my daughter in that moment, um, I already shared telling her about her aunt Gina passing away. And I didn't realize this, but at the time I was setting the bar for her so that whenever she experiences a tragedy, she's going to look back at this moment in time and say, well, how did mom handle it? Because that's how I should handle this. And notice I said, when, not if, she experiences a tragedy. And that has brought me a lot of peace and a lot of joy. Just also seeing how she's handling the loss of my sister. And just the other day, she goes, mommy, that's where aunt Gina died. And it was the funeral home that Mm. we had my sister's uh, private family viewing and I and I didn't want to take her but I decided okay she needs to connect the dots I didn't want this to be something that became this this experience of me showing her or me telling her I actually wanted her to see and connect the dots in her in her mind. And yes, she's three. And, but now that she's going to be turning five, she's connecting those dots. And she's saying, Hey, that's where aunt Gina passed away. And, and she's really just bringing me so much joy and so much hope throughout this whole journey that whenever I'm having just a down day, I look at her and I go, you're why you're my why." Like you are the whole reason why I'm doing what I'm doing. And if I can be a light and a service to other people through my experience and to share my story of hope, then I mean, what better, (laughs) what better purpose is there than that?
0: I want to come back to, to the conversation that you had with your daughter and, and the thoughts you have, like, what do I say? How do I talk? You know, because I think there's a lot of fear that people have, um, when there is a death in the family and what they should do and what they feel is right. And I'm going to start by saying you do need to do what feels right for you. Um, but I'm going to speak from the aspect of a grief recovery specialist and that, um, Children understand far more than we give them credit for. And their honesty will tell you um, what they understand if you allow them to communicate. And I've heard stories of parents who almost shush their children around a specific loss because it's painful for them. It's too painful for them to talk about but they don't understand the damage that's doing to the child by not being able to talk about it. And what they're learning in that situation too, is that we don't talk about it. And that's sets them up for life on how they process and deal with and address grief and how they treat others in their grief as well. So that is a huge passion of mine. the Educational piece around this, Um, you know, in, health, in grief recovery too, we have, like well, I facilitate a method. It's the Helping Children with Loss program. And it is online uh, for a group. Um, and that's a four week program. So I just want to mention that if you find yourself in a situation and you're not sure how to help a child process their grief, it's an excellent program that I'm very passionate about because I'm a child griever um, myself. And That's the thing. You know, I was eight and people just didn't think that I needed to talk about anything. Children can seem like they're okay. They can act like they're dealing with it. But there might be other behaviors that um, you don't connect to the grief. So if they're having angry outbursts, if they're not sleeping well at night, if they're coming into your room, you think, well, they just had a bad dream. I mean, if they're wetting the bed, um, if a behavior changes, that's a mark, you know, a marked change in familiar pattern of behavior. That's what grief is. It's a change in or a familiar pattern of behavior. And, um, so those are just some things I wanted to bring up. Um, I thought, I thought you handled it beautifully and, you were honest about yourself, therefore your child reflected back to you honestly with her giggles and, you know, that, you know, she's in a better, she's in a good place. She's in good company, right? I don't want to say a better place because that's one of the things that people may say, well, they're in a better place. No, they should be in this place with me. And that's how gravers feel. They always want their loved one with them. So don't say that. People. Yeah. <laughs> Don't say that. They're in a better place. Don't say that.
1: Unless they say it
0: first. Unless they they say it first. Again, are they being strong for you? You know, because grievers do that. Grievers will dismiss their own feelings to make other people comfortable. So you really have to follow the lead of the griever in, in how you direct the conversation, but let them lead the conversation. You don't need to say or do anything. You just need to listen. I think that's that's my biggest message on almost every episode is just listen. Yeah. There's nothing else you need to do. Just let the griever be. Was there something you wanted to share on that?
1: No, I was, I, yeah, I agree 100% with all that you said. And, and again, you know, even when go circling back to what you had just said about like, oh, they're in a better place. And even though that, I find that I'm not alone and that can be a little bit triggering for me, Mm -hmm. but again, it goes back to grace and saying, I maybe they don't know what, maybe they don't know what I'm experiencing. Maybe they haven't lost a loved one to suicide or maybe they haven't lost a loved one yet. But ironically enough, when I was talking to my uncle, he said kind of a little bit jokingly, but in a serious sort of tone, he said, Crystal, because we were talking about my dad, and he said, you know, no one gets out of here alive. And I was like, gosh, yeah, as hard as that for me to hear that it's true. And so it it just kind of again just was like, Yeah, you're right. And just allowing people disgrace. you know, they say that in a very loving way. Like I know, I know that someone that's what's, that has said that to me in the past, they do it in a loving way and they're just trying to help. And what better way than to say like, okay, this is what I need you to do. And, and be transparent and say, you know what, I know you guys are trying to help but I'd really appreciate it. If you don't say X, Y, Z, mm-hmm. just take those out of your vocabulary because those are really triggering for me. And I just don't want to hear it right now. So do me a favor and just don't say those because it's triggering. And I guarantee you, they will, if they even have a little bit of love for you, which I know that their love is off the charts, <laughs> but they will respect that and they'll listen. Anything else
0: you would like to share?
1: I just wanted to kind of circle back to what you were saying earlier about, about me telling my daughter and and everything. And I think there's just a lot of ways to approach death in general and how you approach it and how you, you know, mention it to different age groups age groups age brackets and so as I mentioned earlier I'm going to talk to my three-year-old about her her aunt passing away in a completely different light in a completely different tone than I would my nephew or nieces that are older and in their teenage years so but ultimately it it comes down to you know telling the truth but doing it in a very loving way and not in a, a fearful way, I would say. And that's just based on my own experience that, you know, suicide is an extremely difficult conversation to have with someone, especially, you know, at a younger age, like my daughter was. And so I really wrestled with the idea of, do I tell her, do I tell her the truth But I felt really strong in my approach and how I alluded to the fact that she was extremely sad. And I obviously am not going to go into details about her passing, but I am, I would say that I'm prepared for as those conversations come into play as she gets older over time. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But it's important. It's important that you have the conversation and that you be as, as delicate and, and truthful around it as best you can. That's, that's most age appropriate. And so I kind of, like I said, I set, I set the example and I set that bar for future conversations. And that was
0: extremely
1: important to me
0: the conversation will evolve over time as she gets older and she inquires and she learns more and, and, you know, someone in the family might say something and she might overhear it. And what was that about? You know? Yeah. And so as her curiosity comes to you with the probing questions, that's the thing. Like as she gets older, the conversation will change and evolve as she gets older. And, um, It's just taken into consideration. And also, too, I think maturity of the individual child is a huge factor as well. I think that really needs to be something to consider regardless of the age. They might not be a a mature 10-year-old or, you know, so that is something to consider as well. But, um, yeah, thank you for bringing that up again. Um, Where can people find you if they'd like to reach out to you and and learn more about um, the boxes and membership
1: sure well you can find either one of my companies at scatteringhope.com as well as owlandthistle.com and inside the the website you'll find links to social media and all of that fun stuff
0: so and I'm not sure when exactly this episode will air right now. It's we're in mid January, but I know you have a um, summit coming up. Would you like to share a little bit about that? Because I believe you're going to have the recordings made available, correct? Yes. So
1: the the summit will, will be March 8th through the 12th. And yeah, I would love for you to join if you are interested And we will just be having a conversation around how we can begin the conversation around suicide and, and what that looks like in our healing and how we can, we can heal from losing a loved one to suicide. And then we'll also mention about how we can prevent this from happening to other people in our lives. And ultimately just it begins and stems back to the conversation that I began with that my whole heart and soul behind Alan Thistle is to have the conversation and just let people know in our lives that they are loved because at the end of the day, when people don't feel that they are loved and they don't feel like they matter, those thoughts of suicide enter their mind and they don't leave. They will get louder and louder as time goes by. And I do not want, that to be your fate. I do not want that to be your outcome. You, you are the author of your story and let's write something different. Let's write something that's more joyful, more hopeful, more purposeful and inspiring to others.
0: I love that. And I do want to mention one thing too, because I've learned through grief recovery work and also through conversations that I've had with, um, mental health professionals who work in suicide prevention that probably one of the best questions you can ask someone who you think may be suicidal or having suicidal ideation is asking them outright, are you thinking about harming yourself or someone else? Because oftentimes that's a question that very few people will actually ask. And the thing is, is most people in that situation want to be asked that yes absolutely so i just wanted to bring that up that um don't think that that's going to be the thing that's going to send them over the edge to actually complete suicide because regardless if you said it or not they've been thinking about it so it's it's and they they will be you know most people will be
1: they're going to be kind of caught off guard when you ask that question especially Mm -hmm. if you lead with that question Because here's the thing, looking back at my own experience with my sister, I was very vocal with her and getting the help that she needed. But there was a moment when I did, I asked her, I said, are you? And so she said, yes. And I think it just, again, looking back at my own conversations with her, it completely kind of threw her off guard. And so they're naturally going to be open and they're going to respond yes or no. And because you're leading with that question, because you love them. And there's no shame in it. Like let's let's do this together. We can, you know, get you some help. And here's the thing: if this person doesn't work with you if this person was like uh, that's all right it's okay go find someone that does mm-hmm. go find somebody that you connect with on a personal level and let's just start to have the conversation and be bold be bold about it and but again just having grace for them and having grace for yourself and is so so key
0: my a recent our blog post that's coming out of mine soon is talking about shame and I think shame has a huge role in people's lives and you know it's a heavy weight that's yes. in the pits of our stomach and oftentimes where there is shame there well, I, I where there's shame there's grief. Yes. When there's grief there's shame. Yes. <laughs> so yeah, it's um, this this dual this yep uh, what do you call it? The, the teeter-totter duality, <laughs> reality, the, the, yeah. And so I, that's one thing too, is, um, someone who's possibly thinking about that probably has feelings of shame. It's maybe linked to that blog post in the show notes as well. Um, it's a little bit more insight on shame, but okay. So you're going to have, um, we have like a, an opt-in for the summit where people can catch that, at any time because this is 2021 now january march yes
1: i i'm just wrapping up with with the with the finer details like the opt-in and all of that and then as soon as i have that ready to go i'll send the link over so you can put that in the show notes and let
0: your people know sounds great thank you so much crystal for sharing your story um i think there's or something in this episode for everybody, whether they're experiencing a loss to suicide or otherwise. So thank you. And um, anything else?
1: No, thank you so much for having me. It was, it was a lot of fun and it was a pleasure.
0: Well, grief isn't fun, <laughs> but I do hope that, um, you know, the lighter stuff, like the, what brings people, what brings you joy, um, maybe inspired some, some listeners and Um, the work that you do so thank you again and remember when you unleash your heart you unleash your life much love from my heart to yours thank you for listening if you like this episode please share it because sharing is caring and until next time give and share compassion by being a heart with ears and if you're hurting know that what you're feeling is normal and natural much love my friend